0: All right, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. I am so excited! Oh my gosh, I just got chills because I have the most incredible guest for you today, Miss Carla Lancaster. She is amazing. I I feel like we could just leave it right there. That you're just (laughs) amazing. (laughs) Walk away, like done. But she is a working mom. She is a wife. And She actually hosts her own podcast called Fearless Freedom, and it is incredible. Her story is going to just blow you away, so I'm so excited for her to share with us today. Her passion in life is helping other women find their pleasure triggers, so I'm excited to explore that a little more too. So Carla, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It is extremely fun as a podcaster to be on somebody else's podcast. So thank you for having me.
0: Oh, gosh, it is my pleasure. I am so pumped for people to get to hear your story today. I just, oh, I got to hear Carla's story on a business retreat that we went on in August. Was that, was it August?
1: October.
0: October, August, it's all the
1: same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: no, it, tomato, tomato. Anyway, so we went on this random retreat, this business retreat, and we didn't even realize that we were in the same city and get there. And it's this incredible space where there were two facilitators and 14 business babes basically like just women driven with a passion who are trying to create companies and businesses and programs and processes to help women was the whole gist of this retreat and Carla shared her story and you guys it oh it's you're just yeah I just I need to stop talking and let you start talking so <laughs> it is amazing okay so Carla tell us a little bit about kind of your story and what led you to produce the Fearless Freedom podcast.
1: Yeah, so where do I where do I start? Um, thank you. I feel like part of the reason why I even started this podcast was because I didn't feel that I was hearing my story being told out there in the podcast world. Mm-hmm. I stumbled upon podcasts a few years ago and just fell in love with being able to have it on in the background at my house or while I was driving and hearing all these like really inspiring women doing things all over whether it's in business or in life and I just loved I just love the world of podcasts, and the more I listen to podcasts, the more I was just like, this is great. There's a lot of women sharing real stories and real struggle in life, which I love. If you know me for two seconds, you know that I'm a pretty real, genuine person. I kind of, Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I mean, I hide a lot in my life. We all do, but there, I'm also a very open book when um when you ask me to be and i will share the the good the bad and the ugly and um and i just felt that i wasn't hearing um kind of the the ups and downs that i've gone through in my own life and i wanted to start to explore sharing my story um i think because a it is helping me overcome my own story and really start to embrace it as a part of my experience in my life and to overcome the shame of it. To be honest with you, a lot of my past and part of my stories has been, um, I mean, the root of it, I have been just so ashamed of. And so um, like where it's kept me so small and so stuck, really, really, really just feeling stuck and helpless in my own life. So so to take you back, and so to not be so obscure, here, let's let's kind of take you back. So I grew up in North Idaho as a child mm-hmm. with my family, and I was raised by mostly by my mom, and it was just her and my brother and I. Um, we were in a small town in Idaho, and my grandparents were the pastors of a pretty large church in a small town. Um, It was a Christian non-denominational church. And um, with that comes, you know, some added pressure of how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to act, especially as being a part of the pastor's family. There was added pressure on how to be and how to act. So throughout my childhood, I always just always felt that there was a spotlight, and with that, I think even my mom, I love her dearly, and she absolutely was doing her best to raise these us two kids on her own, um, but there was just a lot of, I went to public school, but I wasn't allowed to have any friends that didn't go to my church, which was really difficult and challenging. Couldn't listen to any mainstream music or go to school dances cuz that wasn't a part of our faith. Um, so I just felt very much like an outsider a lot of my a lot mm-hmm. of my growing up. Mm-hmm. And um, but I like I always was like mom, why don't you just put me in like Christian school so I could at least make friends and be a part of the community that I was around cuz then I'd go to my church and they're all homeschool kids. Love you homeschool kids. But we just didn't see you. I didn't see them like on a daily basis to really create that like connection and they always lived way out in the country so I couldn't ever like hang out with them. Anyways, yeah. moving on. In middle school, my mom, brother, and I picked up and moved to Oregon, so we moved to Salem because her sisters were here, and that's kind of what brought me to this area, and again, just went to public school and all the things, and um, it was just one of those classic, I was always the person that played by the rules, always wanted to do what was right, always wanted to do what was expected of me. That was just kind of my role in mm-hmm. our family. I yeah. was the one that got the good grades. I was the responsible one. I was the one that did everything right. And you could expect that of me. So mm-hmm. if my mom told me, you know, not to do something for the most part, I would do it. And um, even if I was upset about it. So mm-hmm. as I started to get a little older, and I was in high school, you know, I was starting to really get into boys and wanting to date. And of course, I couldn't date anybody that didn't go to our church, which those boys just did not really interest me so much. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I eventually, kind of my work around my whole life was, okay, I'll find somebody that's kind of close to what my mom's looking for and then just kind of bring them into our little church or whatever. And then that way it was kind of acceptable. Huh. So I had my first job. I worked at this grocery store and I met this guy and he didn't go to our church, but he was raised in a Christian church and Christian home. And so that was exciting. I was like, "Oh, this is like the first guy I've liked that my mom might actually be okay with." Hmm. And so we started dating and um one thing led to another. I gra- so I graduated high school a year early because uh, I had enough credits, and I felt that, you know, I was the responsible one. So I was ready to just start my adult life.
0: Wow. And
1: I, so i convinced my mom that I didn't need to go to senior year of high school. So I didn't. I graduated a year early. So I only went to three wow. years of high school. And instead, I got married to this boyfriend of mine, Because my mom found out him and I were sleeping together, and that was a big thing. So here, enter shame. This is the first time I really did something um, kind of against what my mom was asking of me and expecting of me and my family. And, you know, um, sex before marriage was a very shameful thing for our family and our religion. Yeah. And... So uh, I don't even remember how my mom found out. That's kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> she did. <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm like, hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> but she did, and we had that conversation. And so uh-huh. him and I were talking, and his family was the same way. Very, like, you don't have sex until you're married. And so we kind of started scheming, and we we're like, well, what if we got married? Thinking that would make it better. Our family would then be like, obviously it's okay if you guys were really in love, you guys were meant to be, and now you guys are married. So that kind of just gives you that clean slate. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what was going on in our head. Like we literally had this conversation and we planned our engagement, although they didn't know that we planned it. It was all this, like, just really robbing ourselves of like this beautiful thing that marriage and love can be. And, um, so him and I got married. I was, I think I had just turned 18. I technically got married before I had my high school diploma because I didn't get it until my walking or until the rest of the school got it theirs of my class. Um, so I moved out by 17 or 18 wow. and then got married to this man. And it was, we had a wedding. We moved into an apartment together, you know, day one of marriage, never lived with him before. And it was like a switch had gone off. It was like that worst case scenario where I all of a sudden woke up and I was like, oh, I don't know you. You are a completely different person than the guy I dated for however many handful of months. And uh, we just wanted two very, very different things out of life. And we hung in there for probably about a good year and a half, (laughs) Mm-hmm. And as I'm entering into my early 20s and really starting to, I think even just being in that marriage and feeling like, oh my God, like, is this all that life has to offer? Like I was looking at my future in that marriage with that, with that person and it's not that he's a bad person or I, I feel no ill will towards him. We just wanted two very different things out of life. Mm-hmm. and you know we just kind of came to that conclusion it was probably one of the hardest decisions i had to make but as i was looking at what my next 20 30 40 50 years would be in that relationship and we tried some we tried going to marriage counseling and we tried all the things that would potentially help our communication and our relationship. And I think it just became more and more clear that we are two very different people and wanted two very different things. And so I came to the um, difficult conclusion to um, end that marriage and to ask for a divorce. So here I am, age 20, now getting a divorce. Wow. And um, that, again, like there's divorce in my family. Um, but with divorce, again comes a lot of shame, mm-hmm. a lot of um, just negativity around the entire experience, mm-hmm. and you know, and it, and it was sad too. It was a lot of once we split, a lot of people going, "Oh yeah, I don't really know why you guys were together." And I was like, "What? Not one person tried to talk me out of this? Like, not? I mean, I was eighteen and in love, so I don't know that I would have listened, but um, not." One person tried um, which maybe is good or bad, I don't know, but so as I am twenty one I decided that I needed a fresh start, so at the time I was living in Salem and I was like, I'm gonna move to Portland, move to the city <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, live on my own and really figure out who I was. I started to question my my faith and just really I think that's probably the time where everybody starts to question what they really believe and who are they and what kind of an adults and future do they want. Yeah. Um, but I had done it after having this experience of a marriage. So I'd already snuck in a marriage in there. So I'm 21. Um, you know, Obviously, along with that comes this whole new world of drinking and going out with friends and things of that nature. So I moved to Portland, had a, an apartment up here. And then started hanging out with a group and um, met this guy that I was super into. He was in a band and um, yes, right? Every mother's dream. It was yeah. literally my mom's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, and long story short, so this is like all within the year of my divorce and Pretty much, my family thinking I've gone off the deep end, anyways, because I've now been divorced, I've now moved out, and I'm living on my own. Now I'm dating this guy, who they're like, "Who the heck is he?" He is the first time I could like even date somebody outside of our religion, really, and um, and then I wind up pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm like, oh my god, it's so crazy. It really is. Um, we had. One of those situations where I was on the pill and still got pregnant. Wow. So, ladies out there on the pill, be careful. It's not a hundred percent guarantee. It's
0: so crazy. It's, it's so
1: like, crazy. It's like ninety nine
0: point nine percent, right? I was at right. You were 0.1%. point one
1: percent. Whoa! Yeah. So crazy, and I went to. So he was my boyfriend at the time, and it was fully expecting like a freak out moment from him of like, Oh my God, I'm pregnant. Like, should we consider options or what, what does this look like? Like we've known each other for four months now, like, Oh my God. And, um, so we, he was excited. He was a bit older than me. So he was about 30 at the time and I was 21. You can do that math. And, um, he was, excited and I was like okay this is not the reaction I was expecting and so we talked about it and um I mean here we are today my child is about to turn nine in a couple weeks so I have a nine-year-old Sebastian and um so my family if they didn't think I had gone off the deep end before they really now (laughs) thought I'd gone off the deep end because now here I am pregnant um you know a year after my divorce to you know having a child with this man that i've known for a handful of months wow
0: um
1: so when i moved to portland however i i wanted to leave the story of my divorce and my upbringing and the fact that i didn't know I don't know, any music that all my friends would reference. I'm like, I didn't grow up with any of that. Like, I don't know anything, just feeling like the outsider. And I wanted to just finally feel like I fit in. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just run away from my past and I wanted to leave it. Um, What's interesting is, so when I was married, um, I changed my last name to his last name. And then I moved to Portland so quickly after that, that I was like, oh my God, I can't change my name back or else I'll have to tell people I was married. And I like vowed that I was not going to tell a single soul. I was going to literally push it in the corner, throw a hundred blankets on it and don't let anybody look at it. And I just wanted to move on and forget it ever happened. That's essentially how I like proceeded my life. That was my answer was to deal with the shame was to cover it up and pretend like it never happened. Mm-hmm. And I lived like that for years. Um, at one point, I had to tell my baby daddy um, that i at one point he knew that I had just gone through a divorce. I think I had to set up a meeting with him for something the um, ex husband ex husband um, but my my um automatic response was to just cover it, and I held on to that so then I had this this um this child. And I, you know, shame came with that, but there was also so much joy when you have a child and become a mom that, Mm -hmm. that I think helped me pull through. Obviously I'm not ashamed of my kiddo and being a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it wasn't ideal and it wasn't perfect, but, you know, I would never, never take that back for, anything. Um, he has helped shape me into the person I am and he is literally my everything. Um, but again, I was so to kind of keep going forward with my story, my kiddo comes along and his dad and I, um, live together. And then about when he was one and a half, we split up. We, um, just things weren't working out. And again, some more scoop of shame on top of that with my family now, like, okay, now she's a single mom, a divorced single mom (laughs) with a baby daddy um, in navigating that. Um, I guess part of my story that I haven't shared is along through that, um, my mom was, when I told her I was pregnant, she was disappointed. She was surprised but she was still always there and supported me. Mm. Uh, the story with my dad, however, was not quite, not quite that. Um, my dad was always, um, I've never lived full-time with my dad growing up. He was always the guy that we went and saw like four times a year, four or five times a year during like school breaks. Um, my parents were always divorced ever since I was at a young age. And so our relationship was um, distant but we always kept in communication. So the day I called and told my dad I was pregnant, this is after not long after I told him I was getting a divorce and whatnot. So obviously it's a lot for a parent to handle. Um, but unfortunately he, he surprised me and um, he was really disappointed in the fact that I was um, about to have a baby. And the, I think he always assumed that I would be the successful one in life because I was always a straight A student. And I think he expected to me, expected me to be this, you know, someone who really did something with her life and wasn't focused on family, I think is what his expectations were on me. And so when I told him that I was now going to be 21 and having um, this kid, he, from then on, we, um, he just kind of stopped all communications and um, he told me he was disappointed in me and that no, i was going serious? oh yeah like he um just you know i was now going down the hard road in life and um i didn't talk to him for years later mm-hmm. and even to this day we have talked on the phone once in 9 years and i've seen him twice now twice now he's met my he's met my son once um so that caused um just a lot. Just a lot of yeah. <laughs> shame and just disappointment and yeah. um, lots of stuff. So so shame is something that, um, again, throughout all these years, my coping mechanism was to hide and to cover it up. And mm-hmm. I felt that if anybody knew that I was I – was, I was obsessed with this divorce thing. If anybody knew that I was – married and divorced by age 20, then they would think less of me or that they would think I was this terrible person or I was, again, the outsider. Like no one one was married and divorced by 20. Now I'm this person that no one can relate to. And I've done all these, made all these wrong turns in life. And it's only been up until this last maybe year and a half, two years that I've started to really look at this. And, um, really become tired of that story of keeping me small and keeping me, um, from living a life that I deserve to live and to feel anything other than, um, okay with my entire story that's gotten me here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. So much. There's so much there. I mean, just the idea, the visual that you gave of like, I'm just going to push this into the corner and I'm going to cover it up with blankets, Mm. and just I'm not going to tell anybody and I'm going to keep it so safe and so secret because Mm -hmm. of the feelings that it brought up for you of of shame. That's. I feel like that's so many. So many people share that story as well, and Mm -hmm. that idea of hiding, and. That's incredible. So, so how did you, I mean, with all of this, you know, you said scoops of shame, how (laughs) did you start to like confront that and to feel those feelings? Because we, I think everybody can identify with the feeling of shame, just that, you know, even the physical Mm -hmm. sensation of shame, like what was that like for you and how did you start to confront it?
1: Well, you know, I can think of over the years, um, I'd be maybe talking with a friend and they'd maybe mention, or every once in a while I'd meet somebody who maybe had something similar where they were divorced. And I would see them talk about their experience and not be ashamed of it, or at least not be ashamed of it enough to share it and to say it out loud, which I couldn't even do that. Um, some of my closest friends didn't know this part about my story up until this last year that I had known for years. Um, Like that's how much I covered it and was like, nobody know that please. And, um, and so, you know, I think it was, I think it really was when I started listening to podcasts, I started to want more out of my life. Um, So in that space, let me kind of Preference. This is that I so a couple years ago, about two and a half years ago, I actually I did remarry. So I'm now married to my husband, who is um, a wonderful human. And um, so it was probably a year or so after him and I got married. And um, how marriage should be, right? Like we got married the next day, the next year. People are like, oh, how's married life? I'm like, it's kind of the same as before, which in my head is really good. <laughs> I'm like, that means I knew him. He knew me. We knew exactly what we were signing up for together. Of course, we are just kind of partners in this life together. Um, And so in my head, like the fact that it wasn't this night and day switch, like I didn't know if I'd ever get married again. And I am now married and um, have a wonderful husband who's so supportive and um, truly one of my best friends. Um, so after we've kind of settled into our married life, um, I was starting to, you know, I've been in the same job. So I've been working in a corporate job for almost 12 years now, the same one, and just really feeling like, um, like I'm not, like there's nowhere else to go and really just feeling kind of stuck in like to see like at dis-ease in my life. And what I started to evaluate as I was listening to other podcasts and listening to these other women's stories of all these really great things that they're doing and stepping outside their box and their comfort zone and going after things they really want to achieve in life. I'm like, oh, that sounds really, really great. Like I'm so attracted to that. I, I want that. I want to have, you know, a business. I want to... Um, take risks, but really for things that I'm passionate about, like I want my passion and my work to be all in the same thing because I love working. I really do. And I love, um, I love when I, you know, I just, I want my passion and my work to be the same. Yeah. And um, I was realizing, though, with that came a lot of limiting beliefs of what I could do and what I could achieve and what is possible. And um, I think a lot of that shame that I've been covering up was really starting to affect even just how I thought I could live the rest of my life, what I thought I deserved For my future, what I thought I could pursue. And it's crazy because it's, you know, no one told me that. Like, you can't be divorced and then be successful. Like, no one told me that. But I do feel that there was this this part of me that because I wasn't fully embracing my whole story, wasn't fully embracing everything that's made me me, all of the things I've had to overcome, all of the you know, disappointments, all of the celebrations and successes, I wasn't really fully um, allowing those things to be a part of me. And I was hiding so much of it to where I was really limiting myself of what is possible. And so I think the first thing that happened was I started to just think, well, why? Like, why? Why do I feel this way? Why couldn't I also pursue my dreams? Why couldn't I leave this job or why couldn't I get paid more than I do? Um, and so I think the, the inspiration from hearing other people's stories really allowed me to just start to ask those questions. And so that really kind of planted those seeds of, okay, maybe. And so that just kind of sent me down some rabbit trails and I just started to read every, every, self help book out there, <laughs> everything I could get my hands on mm-hmm. um and it's been this like year of just like how do I work on myself and realizing starting to uncover and then it's you know really made me start to look at where am I angry where am I hurt where am i mm. you know where is this shame coming from and so You know, part of it was starting to allow myself to be seen, even to my closest friends. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so some of my friends who didn't know I was married before, starting to just actually share that part of myself with them and be like, hey, so I've never told you this, but I'm ready now. I'm ready to tell you about this experience. And, you know, I mean, even my maiden name is ridiculous and like nobody even knew it. So my maiden name was Doolittle. So I grew up as a Doolittle how hysterical is that name? And not one of my friends knew that up until this last year. (laughs) It's just like, that was such a huge part of my identity as a kid that I was just like, shove it in the corner and never speak of it. Mm. And so through telling people like, no one's treated me differently. No one has laughed at me or told me how different, Dare you, or, you know, stopped being my friend because of this experience that I've shared with them. Um, And so I think every time I've come up against something where I'm like, ooh, I can't share that about myself, I really look to, okay, who can I start? Like, who's someone that I just know has my back and I can start small there and share that little piece about myself with them. Um, Because I think, because I am such a people pleaser and a high achiever like that's really difficult for me like how people perceive me is so big and so it's been a journey of being willing to be seen in all of my good and bad throughout my life um wow
0: yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. So getting inspiration from other people's stories gave you the courage to start to examine your own, to identify those areas where you were angry and hurt and feeling shame and to start to share those. Mm. And so it sounds like that was really instrumental in your healing processes, mm-hmm. being able to put words to uh, the feelings and experiences that you had been hiding and trying to avoid and sharing that with other people. And I think there's so much power in sharing Mm -hmm. and in being vulnerable and letting other people see you, not just Mm -hmm. what you present, but like you, which, you know, you're not, you're not the sum of your bad choices, or your no. good choices or your mediocre choices. Like that's not who you are, but it impacts who you are. Right. Right. And your are is a part of that. So that's amazing that you started to bring people in. How did you like,
1: did you give yourself like a pep talk mm. the first
0: time or like, what was that like for you?
1: You know, I don't think I gave myself a pep talk. I think it was at some point I had been thinking about it enough to where I was I was starting to desire people to see me and to feel okay about that. And so what I've been, and so, and, and talking about this, like in sharing this, so it's eventually evolved into, I want to share it with more people. And so that's why I've started even my podcast is how do I share my story so that maybe it inspires somebody else to start to share theirs and maybe that'll help inspire them to come out of their own shame or their own past and know that it's okay like you can you can go through anything and it's going to be okay and you are still worth everything so mm. for me i remember it was just more about and this is something that i've been really going forward really examining and using in my own life is I'll get like, you know, maybe those butterflies or that knot or that like that sense of like, fear, maybe it's like, I kind of feel it as like an energy within my body for me, that might look differently for you, but like, I feel this like nervous energy of this fear of about to do this thing that I don't want to do, but I also feel like it's going to be expansive on the other side. And so I start to recognize that fear because I'm starting to really see it and feel it. Like when I first decided to launch this podcast and to tell people that I wanted to, I felt the same way. The first time I told one of my close friends about being married, I felt the same way. And so I'm starting to recognize this energy in my body and know that I can use that as like, okay, this is really going to bring me expansion. So I need to use this to move forward. And so I'm really starting to look at what does that fear and energy look like in my body and how do I know that as like my guide of like, this is going to bring me forward and more freedom and expansion in my life. And so to kind of lean into that feeling instead of run away from it.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> I'm taking so many notes. It's crazy. I love that. Leaning into the fear and like welcoming expansion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. Like yeah. it can lead you. That's what I'm finding is that I'm just allowing it to really be my guide of what's going to take me closer to you know, finding freedom in my own life that I truly want, finding freedom from my past, finding freedom towards you know, just my greater desires in life. And it's really, yeah, just following that as a guide.
0: That's amazing. And you've already uncovered so many areas, even in the last year, that you mm-hmm. are kind of reclaiming, and especially with the background that you have, Yes. as far as that conservative Christian background, yes. some of the things that you're doing now are so outside of that box and I love it. Can you mm-hmm. tell us some of the things? So kind of going back to the beginning when you were talking about helping women find their pleasure triggers, yes what, what has that been like for you discovering those, finding yeah. freedom to discover those? And you know, how are you doing that for other people as well?
1: Yeah. So along this journey in this past year, actually this last May, my husband gave me this book um, called Pussy by Regina Thomas Schauer. And I hope I don't offend anybody by using that word, the P word. Um, but really it's it's um, it's a reclamation of really women reclaiming their own pleasure and their own identity as a female within themselves. So it's been hugely instrumental to a lot of healing for myself this year. And so I've been really going down, um, this path of pleasure and not in a form for anybody, but really in how do I find my own personal pleasure within myself. And for me, that, um, strengthens my confidence, my just self connection, my connection to, um, I mean my, my higher self or my higher power or I don't I, I don't practice a religion anymore um, but I am finding comfort in some um, spirituality and just some um, connection with my inner being and you know if that resonates for you but it also I, I feel like I value all beliefs at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, this idea of pleasure, and so I've been recently, so I recently did a workshop with a friend on New Year's Eve, and it was amazing. It was about integrating pleasure into your everyday life. So, how do we live life more per, per, purpose? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am, wow, I love it. purposefully um, nice. welcoming in pleasure in even the most minute ways every single day. And so mm-hmm. I started to really think about what, is, what does pleasure mean? What does it um, mean to me? And it really means making the choice to slow down, and to look for enjoyable moments every day. So really using your senses, whether it's, I'm going to take a moment to really enjoy this food that I'm eating. I'm going to turn off the screens and be Fully present in this moment, or I'm going to consciously make the choice of the types of clothes I put on my body that feel really good against my skin versus wearing like some itchy wool that makes me uncomfortable and doesn't make me feel confident or happy in myself. Um, You know, or, you know, maybe it's movement or maybe it's, you know, exercise makes you feel good or confident or pleasurable in that moment. But pleasure to me is really making a choice to be conscious and aware of what, um, what feels good to you in the moment and allowing all your senses to really absorb it. So you can like be touching your arms no big deal. You touch your arms or your legs every day. But if you slow down and you do a light touch or you do a firm like massaging touch, you're going to have two very different experiences. So exploring pleasure has been really about becoming more conscious, more aware in the present moment. And then that kind of just allows you to have more interconnection, more I mean, just every, every day, I would hope your life is all about enjoyment, all about um, like loving the life that you live today, not the life that you want to live 10 years from now, not all of your future goals, but how can you really enjoy every single moment and every single day right now in this moment? So pleasure is really helping me become more conscious, more aware today in this moment.
0: Oh, my goodness. I love that. I love just like the practical like steps that you just gave too, as far as like what you put on your body, how you touch your body, Mm. the awareness that you bring to a meal or Mm -hmm. a beverage or a conversation or just even a space, like finding your pleasure in so many different places. We limit pleasure, right? To just a select few things. And then when we can't do those things, it's like, we just get so detached. Yes. Yes.
1: Well, and I think as moms, especially, I mean, this is something like we are such giving people. Women are so giving. We want to give ourselves to our family. We want to give to our children. And usually we're the last ones to be fed. We're the last ones to be taken care of. Um, our needs come last after everybody else. And I think that, you know, part of my work is to help others really realize their worth and the value of them putting themselves first. I think that it's good to be a little selfish. I think it's good to be really selfish. I mean, this I'm sure you've all heard this analogy, but think about it. And on an airplane, they tell you to put on your own mask first and then help the child next to you. Like you can't help others if you're not feeling yourself. And so Mm -hmm. I've been finding and I've been watching myself go through cycles. And when I stop focusing on pleasure, even if it's just for a moment, even if it's just five, 10, 15 minutes a day, when I stop giving myself that space to connect in those ways that bring me joy and pleasure, I start to have more angst. I start to have more anxiety. I start to have more stress. I start to get more frustrated in life. And I think as women and as moms, especially, we need to carve out the time for ourselves every single day, whether you want to call it self care or pleasure um, earlier I mentioned pleasure triggers, and so one of the things I taught um, last week was helping women explore because everybody its going to be different for people, mm-hmm. um, but finding the thing it's kind of like that go to song everybody has that go to song that so just gets you in the mood and gets you there instantly the minute you hit play mm-hmm. so pleasure triggers are what are those like go to things that just instantly get you into a zone of Feeling connected to yourself, that kind of refresh. That um, you know, for me, it's turning down the lights, putting on a song, and moving and dancing. Um, I love that. Or you know, maybe it's a bath. Maybe it's a walk out in nature. It could be so many different things. But the pleasure triggers for me are just exploring and finding. What are those? quick things that get you into pleasure, even if it's you only have five minutes today. But how can you have your go-to things that help get you there and kind of fill up your own cup again?
0: Yes. And the quick things too, because as you said, you know, busy moms were the last ones to get any kind of, to to receive, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's so much about give, give, give. And so finding ways to sneak it in almost, you know, yes. if you want to be covert about it, that's Absolutely. fine too. Absolutely. You do you. But what is, what's a quick way for you? Like a quickie.
1: Yeah. What's your quickie? <laughs> <This> <laughs>
0: little things that you can do <laughs> to keep that built. And I love that you talked about how the absence of that makes you more irritable mm-hmm. and more stressed and more anxious. So if you're finding yourself in that space, it's good to do kind of a little, give me a little pleasure inventory and, yeah. you know, say where, when was the last time I did enjoy something or find pleasure in something and just savor yeah, something, you know, whether that's in a sensual way or in just a appreciative way, mm-hmm. you know, and finding when that was because that's, that's amazing. That's yeah. the ball game right there. That's how you yeah. – like that's how you do it. I love that. Oh, that's so good. Well, Carla, I hate to say this, but we have got to wrap up. I think we're going to have to have you back. (laughs) You're good.
1: There's so much that
0: we didn't get to.
1: Oh my gosh. It's so good to to be here, Kim. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So where can my listeners find you?
1: Yes. So you can find me, um, my podcast is the Fearless Freedom Podcast, and I am on all of the major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, um, pretty much anywhere you listen, you can find me. And you can also find me on Instagram at the Fearless Freedom Podcast. Um, Yeah, I would love to connect with any of you guys listening. And I, again, thank you so much for being on your show today, Kim.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being here. I love it. Again, if you want to find Carla, I'll put her her spots in the show notes so you can connect with her. I highly, highly recommend that you do. She's amazing. Love it. And we're definitely going to have to have her back. So thanks, you guys, so much for tuning in today. I hope that you find a way today to find your pleasure trigger, something that brings a smile to your face something quick and easy, a little quickie that you can do for yourself (laughs) to keep those good feelings and that pleasure alive for yourself. We'll see you next time.